Hey, you filthy animals. My name is Mickey, and I got a haircut. Today we will be having John Hammond from Hamo Comics. Yeah, very cool. Um, so the the way that I met you, John, was um, they there's all the, what I recently learned. They have all these uh, Facebook pages on um, like religious discussions, different things like that. I think the one that I talked to you on is like the least productive one to where everyone it's, yeah. it's so predictable to where everyone just like ends up talking about how like you're stupid, you're dumb, you don't know what you're talking about, all this stuff. And then you get the typical, um, uh, what's, what's his name? The guy that, uh, the, the guy that, do you believe in God? Have you ever lied? Have you ever stolen something? Uh, uh Ray Comfort. Yeah. Ray Comfort. You get the typical like Ray Comfort Christians to where they start asking people those exact questions. Oh and, yeah. 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 And those combos. And, uh, it's so funny because I actually enjoy Ray Comfort videos. Like I enjoy watching them. It's pretty cool seeing people interact, but it's just, it's, it's so funny. Like seeing people, you know, try to do that exact thing, you know, through, through these, uh, uh, Facebook threads and stuff. But, um, yeah, somewhere in between the mix, I actually got somebody who is willing to like constructively tell me their, uh, their thoughts, their beliefs, and we were actually able to exchange a little bit instead of just uh, like, no, you're <laughs> dumb, fair. you're stupid. Yeah, all the the insult slinging and um, and and total lack of like actually examining what the other person's saying, more just kind of waiting to talk and you know put put their spiel out there. Yeah, yeah, I've noticed that as well. And and so pretty much the uh, through it, you told me that you're writing comic books. You sh you shared with me your page, and I believe that was the Falling Stars page, right? That was the one you shared. Yeah, with me? probably. Perfect. And so just for the people listening, tell me a bit about Falling Stars. Tell me where you're at with the project, uh, what it's all about. You know what inspired it. You know the whole kid and caboodle. Okay. Well, um, right now I'm going through the last little bits of editing, um, cause there's, there's a bunch of, uh, like print specifications that I wasn't like fully aware of when I did the layout, which yeah. was years ago. I mean, I, I first got the idea just from movies I'd watched and things that I'd read and been like, Hey, no one's ever really told the story quite the way that I'd like to see it done and I just kind of started working on it but like the first 30 pages were sort of a collage format because I wasn't planning on doing a graphic novel mm -hmm. so I had to break it up into a whole bunch of panels and do a whole bunch more panels to flesh it out and actually like make it coherent rather than just like a bunch of illustrated narrative mm -hmm. and um and so I'm resizing all the panels so that, like, the outer border of all of them combined makes the right shape relative to the 
to the gutter and the margins and all all these things that I I wish I'd known ahead of time, but it at least simplifies the pro or process in the future, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, and and what um, is the story you're trying to tell? Falling stars. All right, so basically, um, if I had to boil it down as much as possible, it would be like essentially the Bible but as a graphic novel and told from the perspective of the Satan character yeah. so that we see his, his gradual progression and the, the events that lead to him like leading a rebellion and trying to, you know, wrest control of the cosmos. Yeah. Kind of. Thing. Um, you know, like, uh, like, uh, revenge of the Sith, you know, kind of seeing how Darth Vader turns to the dark side it's it's basically the same premise, um, but I get to be a lot more psychological and um, examine, you know, paradoxes and sort of delve into a character study, mm-hmm. you know, where we're, we're pitting concepts of, like, free will against predestination and seeing how it plays out in a character who, you know, I mean, we're all the hero of our own story, so his, from his perspective, he's he's leading a rebellion, like, for the freedom of himself and the other angels, and... Yeah. Yeah, yeah and the, the biblical narrative just kind of forms the backdrop and, like, some of the major sequences that go on. Yeah. Yeah, I, um... I had just, like, a few years ago, um... I saw this video on a uh, Satanism and I always had the, uh, I always had the idea that what Satanism was, was people that worshiped like Lucifer, like a guy with, you know, the red guy with the horns, everything. And, yeah. um, and they worship him and they, you know, you know, do, I don't know, like they're into evil stuff. You know what I mean? But from what I've learned recently, I'm sorry. That's certainly the common perception. Yeah. That, that, that's <laughs> like, that, that was what I was brought up into. Cause I'm, uh, obviously I'm from the Valley. So everybody here's Hispanic. So once you even get involved in anything close to like Lucifer or Satan, it's automatic, you know, his Hispanic mothers automatically think the devil, like, no, it's evil. All these spirits, like they, they, they worship the devil, all this stuff. But pretty much what Satanism is, is um, it's like, it's almost satirical. A- am I correct? It's it's like a satire? Um, as far as I know, I mean, like I had to do some research into Satanism when I was writing the book. Yeah. But like, um, I don't, I don't uh, profess intimate knowledge of <laughs> the movement or anything. But like the impression I get is a lot of it is satirical and just kind of, thumbing their nose at the established Abrahamic sects and yeah. um, just kind of trying to do their own thing. Yeah, I, I'd always thought that, you know, so they're worshiping Satan, but from what I learned, they don't even believe Satan exists because they don't believe God exists. They don't believe, uh, you know, like yeah. anything like, you know, transcendental exists. Pretty much what it is, it's like a... Um, it's like a free love movement. It's one of those things too, where like just love your neighbor, um, treat everyone nicely. Pretty much all the, the 
I guess like foundational Christian beliefs minus the God itself and also minus all of the like baptism and uh, the, yeah, like, strip away the ceremony and leave leave a core of like altruism and just like being humane to other people and yeah. you got the basic idea. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, so I'm glad to know you're not a Satanist. <laughs> yeah. yeah or that. <laughs> I don't know, do you maybe I don't know, either way. But uh so so Falling Star is pretty much um uh, Satan making his way rebelling away from uh from from conformity from the establishment and you're kind of just narrating, you know, like give giving like a a fictional kind of idea from your perspective of that side of the story. Am I correct? Well, yeah, pretty much. I mean, the way I characterized, because um, book one only covers up to the to the crossing of the Red Sea. It's going to be a trilogy so that we can build up to having an actual war in heaven kind of scene. Yeah. Um, so, like, as, at, the, at this point in the story that I'm at, essentially, um, he's, he's really just starting to break away. He feels very alienated. He's got sort of the... Um, I don't know if it's like syndrome, but like the the feeling when your father gets remarried and has a new set of kids, and um, couple that with like teen angst and him coming out and trying to be his own person, yeah. um, and and then sort of just he really really wants to believe that he has free will, mm-hmm. but it seems like God holds all the reins and controls how the future will play out, and you know, maddeningly so, because, you know, sometimes he'll try to do things to throw a monkey wrench into the works, so to speak, to figure out if he can do something autonomous, but, like, all the things that he does just sort of plays into God's plan, as if he knew what he would do ahead of time, and he really has no choice but to participate in this, and that, like, really pisses him off, because he really wants to believe that he's his own person. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. You know, um, you, you you don't know this about me, but uh, just recently, I've always been a Christian my whole life, but it's because I was brought up into Christian. I was born, you know, my family were Christian, and, you know, we went to church when I was a kid, the whole hoopla, all this stuff. But it was just recently that I very much became devoted to Christ, and, yeah. uh, and, because, and because of it, I got more... I pretty much did all the steps you would think a Christian would do. I just, I got more involved with the church, you know, and then at the same time I, I was uh, starting up the podcast and I was trying to figure, and I'm, I'm trying my best to learn Hebrew. Um, I'm barely going through the alphabet, alphabet, but soon, soon I'll be able to yep. talk to you in Hebrew a little bit, but either way. Um, so, uh, you know, just recently I've been learning a lot about um, what Satan is to you know, different Christians, because obviously modern day Christianity, Satan has the horns and he's red and he's in hell and he does all this crazy stuff, all this stuff. But um, oh yeah, like one kind of uh, crazy thing that I had to learn. My wife, she's an ex Jehovah Jehovah's Witness, or she's like, ah. I don't know, she's like, um, she's somewhere there. I don't know, she's somewhere in the spectrum of Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, okay. but what I learned was Jehovah's witnesses don't believe in Satan. Right. Am I correct? No. 
They don't believe in hell? But do you believe in a Satan? But you believe he's here on earth? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they don't believe in hell. They believe in Satan, but they believe he's here on earth and um, he's... On that earth does he have does he, does he have horns? Oh, they don't they touch like that. Hey, turn your mic on. Oh, oh I'm sorry. <laughs> what are you doing? Okay. No, uh, we do believe in Satan. Get closer to the mic. We do believe in Please. Satan, but... Um, and it's kind of weird because I can't hear you guys. We do get believe in Satan. We just don't believe in hell because we don't believe that a loving God would condemn you to to a life full of, um, you know, like torture. Because <laughs> 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 um, he's a loving God. So yeah. the way, the, the thing we believe is once we die, you just fall asleep and you're not graced by God's presence ever again. Yeah. You just fall asleep and never get the promise of yeah. eternal eternal life. Yeah. That's what we b- were brought up in. Yeah. But yeah, we do believe Satan is very much real and that he uh he kind of like yeah. you know, was a rebel and got Well, I I guess the only difference we have is that he doesn't have horns. <laughs> <laughs> no, we we w- we say that Satan was actually very beautiful and oh, wow. that's how he was able to like get a lot of, and charismatic. That's yeah. how he was able to get a lot of like, I guess other angels to like, yeah. I guess, uh, that turned into demons with yeah, him. Recruit. Yeah. 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 Wow. Was, yeah. That's funny. I mean, like I, <laughs> I actually used myself as the character design for his character in the book. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a, <laughs> Well, it seemed to make sense. Yeah. You know, I wanted I wanted um to be able to like use photo reference for extreme lighting shots and stuff. And I was like, "You know what? Screw it. Why don't I just use myself?" Cuz like I've been to Comic-Cons and probably 7 times out of 10 people just assume that creators uh creations have a physical resemblance to themselves. So I was like, "You know what?" screw it, I'll just design him after myself, and then I'll be immediately recognizable to anyone, you know, any potential fans out there. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's a good idea. Yeah, I'm, uh, me and Priscilla are trying to do more media, and, uh, like, we want to do little skits and stuff like that, and eventually we want to make, like, a full, like, short film. And, um, yeah, and that's a good idea. Or I was using it as a good idea to put myself in it. And, and yeah. I actually... I actually wanted to be the like the not atheist character, but like the agnostic character, just to kind of you know separate myself a little bit from you know just I don't know like you know keep 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 it fresh because I do feel like at a certain point I I do feel like I was agnostic, you know what I mean? Like I and so yeah. it would be nice to kind of mirror that a little bit and you know put that in a. Can you hear us or no? Oh really? I can oh, hear. That's cool. Fine. No, nah, I was asking my wife, but, but hey, that's that's pretty cool. Hope your Satan character comes. And for all the people listening at home or wherever you're listening, I it doesn't matter. But for everybody listening, uh, uh, my friend John Hammond here. Oh, by the way, thanks for coming on, dude. <laughs> you're welcome. Yeah, my friend John Hammond here. He's he's not a Christian. He's a uh, what would you describe yourself as? A agnostic, atheist? Um, hmm. I I don't really classify myself uh, oh, specifically. Yeah, um, I guess by 
I I guess I'd be definitionally atheist. Okay, very good. If that makes right. sense, you know, like I I lack any specific beliefs mm-hmm. um, in this sort of thing. I've studied it extensively, of course, but I'm just sort of like, um, yeah, well, I I don't think that's true. Yeah, and um, and I just kind of go from there. Yeah. So this is my atheist friend, John. There we go. Me and my friend John. (laughs) We'll edit that out. (laughs) Yeah, but yeah, this is uh, this this is my friend John. We um, he he's he's an he's an atheist, but he's open to conversation, and he's actually very invested. Weirdly enough, you're very invested. In religion, like the whole falling stars is is you know like you said it's like a it's like a other side of the world of what Christian religion is and it kind of just and like you said you've studied it extensively yeah. so it's, well, it's something to. you have like a connection to. Well, yeah, I I enjoy um, stories from antiquity in general, um, but like the falling stars seem to be my best um avenue to get myself out there and show everyone what i can do as an artist and as a writer um because you know this particular um set of stories is an existing belief system that a huge swath of the human population uh believes to be true so you know it it automatically kind of hits that that hot button and and gets people's attention where they're like okay well is this you know, glorifying Satan? No, not necessarily. Like, what exactly is this doing? I'm, I'm not sure. But we're, we're juxtaposing, you know, uh, superpowered beings smashing each other through mountains with some pretty deep philosophical conundrums. And this artwork is like really kind of stunning. So I'm, I'm on board to see where this is going. At least, at least that's what I'm hoping people will, will say or think. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and. Um... As as a Christian, it's kind of shameful to say, but I really, you know, I I don't care. Like, I actually one of my favorite cartoons that I enjoy watching is South Park, and uh, yep. what I love so much about it is that uh, they're so highly political, but not to where yeah. they they do a lot of social commentary, but it's really hating on both sides. Like they hate on both sides equally. It's kind of like a <laughs> like a not a pessimistic how do you say it like an antagonistic way like they antagonize every side equally and it you you really get to enjoy it because it's it's not like they're they're kind of smugly throwing their opinion around they're really just having fun they're having fun and they're kind of like and sometimes obviously it's not good towards christianity but it's 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 just it's equally divided and it's kind of for somebody who has a dark sense of humor like me and who is equally as like, I guess antagonistic, which is just part of my you know human being. Um, I enjoy it. I can actually appreciate it. But I, I I see where you're coming from to where you're saying it's just it's one of those things where it makes you think, and you enjoy yeah. where it takes you. Well, I'm hoping so. I certainly had fun with it. I mean, this last all all this like resizing things by millimeters is like tedious and frustrating, but the story itself, I very much enjoyed writing and illustrating. Oh, and okay. So 
put the put the stories themselves in the Bible aside. The stories of the yeah. Bible aside, what would what is your opinion on God, a transcendental being, uh, a creator, a ruler? What, do you have any uh, interest? Do you have any thoughts? Do you have any beliefs in the possibility of a God and the possibility of a personal God? Is it just a bunch of hoopla or what would you say? Well, um, I don't think that that's the way the universe works. Um, however, I, I do entertain the possibility, um, you know, that it is possible. However, I, I take sort of a, a different approach. Like, I don't think that a personal God is really feasible in the grand scheme of things, nor is a truly objective God really possible, um, unless it's directly experiencing all the experiences of every living thing in the entire universe simultaneously. And, and even then, that's still subjective in its own right. Yeah. Um, like, it would be possible that the the conditions were predetermined, so to speak, and set in motion. But, like, um, uh, how, do I, how do I really articulate this concept? I feel like it would be wrong for an all-powerful being to interfere with the natural progression of its creations. Oh, yeah. Okay, I think I know what you're talking about. Why do you think that would be wrong? Um, well, for a number of different reasons. Um, it would, first of all, create dependency, which would be detrimental in the extreme in the long run to any, um, you know, race of people that was depending on uh, this particular god to, like, send send the rains or, you know, whatever. Um, and, uh, you know, like, any... There's so many different religions out there already, yeah. and um, and that's just with you know the concept of a god that may or may not be real. People still come up with all these different ideas, yeah. but like an, an actual confirmed god that you can see mm -hmm. um, would I feel like that would kind of break humans psychologically. Um, because they already do all, they convince themselves to do all kinds of crazy shit in, yeah. or sorry, uh, in the, you know, the name of doing what they think their God wants them to do. But like yeah. having an actual one there would, would be far, far more severe than what we're already seeing in this, you know, crazy world that we live in. And do you, and do you just, when you're saying seeing, you mean physically. So you're, what you're trying, well, you, I'm sorry. What you were just trying to say right now is that the way, like you're worried or you're concerned about the way a human would react to an actual, to seeing an actual physical God. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, cause like, what would that God do? Like even, even by their very presence, they have an effect on, the universe, it's, it's sort of like the Heisenberg uncertainty principle. Um, you know, it can't help but affect the environment around it. Um, and, oh, uh, like, 
like what kind of command what would it command us to do and like would we be okay with that yeah um yeah because it's such a can of worms yeah no no i i know what you mean okay so pretty much just worried about what it would command us to do and you also mentioned like um like making us dependable or um what was what was the word dependent 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 oh dependent sorry you know like yeah like um like if superman was real and was like really interfering in world politics and rescuing kittens from a tree like it, it, in fantasy it it seems all like all good and stuff but like in reality those those situations would play out way differently yeah. you know all the nuclear powers would be scared out of their minds and yeah. um you know, at, at what point would he cross that line and be like, Nick, you know, you know what? I'm going to force you guys to be nice to each other. I'm taking direct control of the world. Mm. Uh, and and yeah, in the long run, that it kind of undermines what it is to be human. Even even benevolent interference, you know, like teaching us how to you know get to the moon or whatever would. Then, then we wouldn't have to do the research and development, and we wouldn't learn anything from the process. Yeah. Um, like, like, uh, like Jurassic Park. You know, you stood on the shoulders of geniuses, and before you even knew what you had, you'd patented it and packaged it and slapped it on a plastic lunchbox, and now you you want to sell it. Um, you know, they they would accomplish all these things really fast, and um, sort of the human spirit would be left to try to catch up. I, I guess. I'm, yeah. No, it's hard I know to put words exactly on, on the concept, but, but yeah, a lot of people kind of don't necessarily examine these aspects of these scenarios that we kind of glorify and talk about. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. I, I guess like the way I've always understood the relationship with, uh, with a God is the same way I would understand a relationship with, um, with your own father, you know, because uh, like how you're saying about being too dependent, about overreaching, about how much how much assistance you give and how much it'll kind of um, uh, like affect their future, whether it's yeah. really helping them or if it's you just taking over the reins. And it's like it's like taking care yeah, of like, kid, are you, you know? like you don't want to. I'm sorry. Like, are you feeding the raccoons and now they have a meal or are you making them dependent on getting handouts from humans? Yeah. And and so like it, it's it's like taking care of a kid, you know, like you yeah. give the you give the kid like when a kid's born it's dumb, you know, like babies are as dumb as it gets. But like when you give a kid food, you're you're feeding it, you know. But eventually, you need to teach it concepts, and once it learns concepts, then it can learn how to speak. When it learns how to speak, it learns how to walk, and once it learns how to do this, then you can start having it make its own food. You know what I mean? Or like, go out to get its own food. And then solely all those things that you built into them at first, they were completely dependable, but then you build those things into them and then they're able to go on their own. And I've always right. thought of it the same way. Like, you know, if, if, if it's a God and just conceptually, it doesn't have to be the Christian God. It could be any God. If it's an all knowing God, then we're talking about like the world's greatest parent. You know what I mean? Like somebody that yeah. knows when to step in, when to step out, when to let them go, when to take over the reins and to where, you know, they don't become dependent. They don't. And sometimes like it's especially with like the situ the situation with like drug addicts or somebody that has a serious problem, 
you don't know when it's time to let them go or when it's time to hold them down and like admit them somewhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's a hard juggling thing, but you would think that an all knowing God would know when to let them suffer and when to hold them down and like, no, you're coming with me. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, you would, you would think, um, if this being is indeed all knowing, um, I don't, I kind of don't see any way to make that feasible either, but that's like a whole separate topic. No, no, no. What do you mean by that? Um, well, like, um, it's hard to get my mind around the concept of a mind that could handle that, you know, from it watching over billions of lives just on this planet alone in mm-hmm. such a vast universe. Yeah, um, yeah an, an infinite mind doesn't seem possible. Yeah. Uh, okay, so so it's it's more of the the possibility of what the concept of a God, like an all knowing eternal God is that kind of, that's where the, the separation is that it just doesn't seem possible for that to be in existence at all. That's where you're coming from. Yeah. Cause I, I try to think of ways that it could be made feasible. Like, like I mentioned earlier, it being able to, you know, vicariously view the viewpoints of every living thing in the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't understand how that would function. Well, let's, um, let's, let's think about it. Let me try to, like... I don't know either, but let me, let me try to help you out. Let's cause I've thought about this a lot. This is something that keeps me awake at night. <laughs> but uh, let, let's try to come up with that scenario. Let's so let's come up with an eternally knowledgeable God. Okay, so how many people are there on this earth? There's there's certain billions of people on this earth. Okay, so that's a lot of people you got to keep up with. Let's say they all live a hundred years. Let's say they all live eighty years. Okay, we'll cut it down twenty years. Okay, so what we could do to help out with that? Let's get rid of time. Let's get rid of the concept of time. This is God who can manipulate time to where he could dedicate, you know, uh, to where he could take his time with each person. So he'll spend the 80 years with that one person. And then this, and he has eternity to do this, you know, because this conceptual God that we've made up in our head, like we're, we're just going to, you know, that's the universe he lives in. Yeah, it's hard to separate concept yeah. of time. <laughs> yeah. you, you on this trip with me? I feel yeah. like we're going on the magic school bus and we're going to a different universe. <laughs> help, everyone. <laughs> that would be a great episode of the magic school bus. <laughs> we're, we're, go- we're going to uh, travel the concept of eternally, kids. Of eternity, kids. Let's go. Wow. Okay, so... Yeah, okay, so, so this God's hanging out with somebody for 80 years. He goes through his whole life for 80 years. Okay, I, mm-hmm. I held your hand throughout the whole thing. I let you go when it was time to let go. I let you suffer. I let you do good, blah, blah, blah. We went the whole eight years. Okay, N- person number two is next. Goes through the whole eight years, blah, blah, blah. I held your hand. Under. Okay, person number three. He goes through each of them until he gets to the billion. 
And so this guy has eternity, so he has all the time in the world. So he's doing the, and so he does that. Okay, now we need a second generation of people. So he does the same exact thing over and over again. So that's one way to do it. But obviously, you know, that's not the most, um, I don't know how to say this. Um, That'd be incredibly boring. I mean, at some point, it would, to, from that God's perspective, it would be nothing but sameness and repetition with you know, minor differences, but I, I'd imagine we'd all kind of blend in at that point. Yeah. No, no, I, I, and, and I'm glad you said that because, um, and that's why I say stories aside, because, uh, this is the way I interpret the Bible. This is the way I bring it. Uh, I, I think about it in my own head. Mm-hmm. So there was a historical people, which is the Israelites, the, yep. the chosen people in the Bible, those historical people. And, um, in, so how, how do I say this? When we've, when I first started talking to you, I was talking to you about Genesis, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. And so my interpretation of Genesis, um, how do we get from Tovu Vavohu, just desert and wasteland void? How do we get from there? to you see the city or the town you're thriving in there's people living there's plantation there's animals there's farming there's you know all this stuff going on. how do we get from desert wasteland to here and so this person thinks about it and there's at the time that it was written there's all these uh chosen chosen like um stories of gods who are who are creating oral I'm sorry? Oral traditions. Yeah. There's all these stories going around of how the earth was created, of how all these gods clash, and it created the, the earth, the stars, the moon, everything. And so somebody had it in their head that this isn't right. This, you know, th- so a new introduction was made of, maybe this is how the earth was created. The earth wasn't created through many different gods, but it was created through one almighty God. And so through the story of Adam and Eve, it kind of, um, it shows how we weren't made as the slave for God, but we were made in the image of God. And we were made almost as co-rulers of the earth. Because in the story of, uh, of Adam and Eve, after they were created, you know, God put them in charge of roaming the land and, um, and naming, naming every- all the animals, all that stuff, yep. blah, blah, blah. So they were almost like co-rulers of the land. So as... Yeah, stewards. Yeah, so and even they- though we were given, like, we were made in the image of the God, and then we were uh, made to uh, flourish and, and thrive, at the same time we rebelled against him. We were given the blessings and we rebelled. And in that rebellion, we were separated from God. And then okay, so throughout... Like, mm-hmm. Is it a rebellion, though? Well, I guess what they did was, the way I see it, is that God gave them everything. He gave them everything. And there was just one thing that they didn't have to do. And all they needed... Yeah was an antagonist and that antagonist was enough to separate them. And 
you get where I'm kind of coming from here. So I, I call it a rebellion, but it's really just a, um, it, it, it's a matter of non-obedience, I guess. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, here's the thing. Um, it's specifically the knowledge, like the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They, Adam and Eve, contextually speaking, don't understand the ramifications of their actions, like at all. They're they're actually physically incapable of it. Um. So, like, yeah. I see what you mean. So, so you're pretty much uh, saying because, so. Before they eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they um, they didn't know that it was wrong to eat from it anyways. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, um, because I said so isn't really isn't really a good answer. I mean, when has that ever worked with you? Do you have kids? <laughs> oh, no, I don't have it. But I, 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 yes and no. Like, I, I don't have kids, but I, I, I know how kids are. I, I was... Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, they had, they really had no concept of what they were doing in the story. I mean, it's like, you know, you can do anything, but don't do this one thing. Now, I'm not going to give you the ability to understand why this is not a good thing. I want you to not do it because I said not to do it. Now, I'm, I'm going to go over here and leave you with this person who's going to actively um, encourage you to do the thing I told you not to do. And, and, um, and I already know what's going to happen because I'm omniscient. Like, (laughs) yeah, like the, the whole thing almost seems like a setup or reverse psychology or, or something, something untoward is going on in there. And and it doesn't seem to be their fault at all. I guess where I'm, I guess, um, and I'm glad you said it that way, Tor. It seems like a setup because I think that's exactly what it is. And so right now, you know, you have the story in your head right now. Separate the idea of it as a historical event that occurred. Oh, yeah, I don't think that occurred at all. Oh, no, yeah, I just mean, like, in your, hmm, I don't know how to say it. It's like, separate it as it written down as a historical thing that occurred and more like a... um, how do you, how do you say like archetypal thing that like an like, allegory like yeah like an allegory like what it's supposed to represent so it is a setup that's exactly what adam and eve or the story of adam and eve is it is a setup and it's why a is trap. it a, <laughs> it's a trap but why why is it a set, it's a setup because the person who wrote it is trying to say something and so yeah so this is obviously, and I know a lot of Christians are going to hate me for saying this, but you know, I don't care, but that's what the story of Adam and Eve is. And not only that, but a lot of the stories in the Bible and I'm saying stories, there's certain historical things and there's certain stories and there's this, um, I wish I could credit, uh, who wrote the book, but there's this book about, uh, the, like learn to read, uh, how to read the, the old Testament in the Bible. And it talks to you about, um, um, prose fiction and really what it is yeah. was they used historical, uh, uh, they used historical, um, archetypes, but the, they used actual historical. It's a mix between actual history and fiction, but it's not 
like right now western uh like western uh society has a hard time interpreting it because we have fiction and nonfiction. There's no in between. There's either this is a historical account event by event, or this is just a totally made up story. And there's really no in between in Western society. It's really just, you know, what you see is what you get, but that wasn't always the case. You know, uh, back in ancient Hebrew literature, there was such thing as using historical people to tell a, um, and it doesn't mean that the people didn't exist. Like these were actual people that existed, but I guess like you put certain, it's kind of like a retelling of the, of like the, of like a Martin Luther King movie to where those events actually happened, but not exactly the way they'd happen. But that's not the intent. The whole purpose is to show you what what his life was about, you know what um you know because how, how do I say this like um I guess if they were to show a um a signing of the Declaration of Independence like in a movie, everybody would have like a like a um something cunning to say, and it would seem very like um how do you say it like monumental, but if you were to actually go back in you know time and see them signing it. It'd be very normal. It'd just be them signing it, and maybe somebody would crack a joke. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, but either way, back to what I was gonna say. Like, it is a setup, and then so why is it a setup? Because the writer was trying to say something. The writer's putting all these events together because they're trying to tell a bigger truth. They're trying to talk about the um, the the human condition, what a human is, what what separates us from God, why you know who we are. And so that leads to an actual historical, the story from Genesis actually leads to historical people, the Israelites. And so these are people yeah. who actually existed and these are, you know, going to be the people to our, you know, throughout history that these um, are the going to be the descendants of the, of uh, the son of God. Right. Yeah. Well, but, um, mm -hmm. if we get, get to the uh the bit about the allegory i uh i have sort of my own hypothesis as it were as to what the story is allegory for mm -hmm. um because while it in in the um in the context of the hebrew people yeah it's it's spun as a morality tale and um explains uh, the concept of separation from God and, and punishment for disobedience and things like this. Um, however, I think the story itself is actually considerably older yeah. and was initially um, more of an allegory for um, for humans becoming an agrarian society rather than hunter-gatherers. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're eating the cultivated fruit, and there's there's a lot of um there's a lot of sexual imagery in there too and it seems to be kind of um you know being like a metaphor for a loss of mental virginity so to speak as we start to like create societies because yeah. we have agriculture now and um so like you know forbidden fruit and a serpent i mean the 
the symbolism at least uh, seems to match up there. And uh, I don't know, that's just kind of my take on that story in general. Well, just in, in uh, like, there's no, uh, how do I say it? There's no, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? There's no, there's no hiding that the Old Testament borrows a lot of old, uh, old stories that were already being told. Well, I oh, guess yeah. what I'm, I guess what I'm introducing is that these people, the 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 Hebrew Bible as we have it right now, they were using these stories to tell their own. And the reason why I'm saying that yeah. is because uh, from 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 what I've seen. Um, that, that's why they, uh, um, how how do I say, like, um, I, I wish I had this written down, like in, in old Mesopotamian, uh, stories, there were, the creation of human beings was directly from mud and clay. They would put the, they, it was, I think like, there's like one story of a God killing another God and with the blood of that God, or it was a, it was a communion yeah. of gods. Yeah, they they all decided to gang up on one god, kill that god, and then pour its blood into the mud. And then humans were made out of that mud, and they were made to be slaves, just like you know yeah. Adam and Eve, or Adam was created from dirt. Um, so there are there are similarities, and it's obviously it's obvious that there's stuff borrowed from er- earlier stories, oh, like yeah. the the Noah and the Ark, all this stuff. But oh yeah. I guess what I'm what I'm trying to say is that I, I guess there there was an introduction of no, this is not how the earth was created. And obviously they don't have science to tell you how the earth was created, but or that's not who God is. And then so they get these stories that were already being told and they make a new introduction of a singular yeah. God, of a um like a new way of thinking and a new way of, so how do, so it's, it's an introduction to what could be. It's an introduction of a possibility. It's an introduction of just one, uh, eternal, all knowing, un, um, how do you say this? Unrivaled God. So how do we know that it's true? How do we know that, okay, this person is the, whoever wrote the Genesis, they're introducing a uh, a new god. How do we know this guy isn't just giving his own, you know, perspective and it could just be like anybody else's opinion about god. And so that's where the rest of the bible comes into play. You know what I mean? Where it kind of uh we get the story of the Exodus, we get the story of um uh like uh, pretty much in the the old testament going into the new testament and so the does the same uh, God in the beginning of the Genesis align all the way up to the God in the New Testament? And so, and so, where would where would you say that? I guess um, personality wise, I'll say it this way: the the God differs from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Um. Well. Aside from Revelation, there there isn't as much fire and brimstone to be sure. Um, uh, Jesus has a much more positive, uplifting message in most cases than um, 
than what we see from the Yahweh character in the Old Testament. He seems sort of fickle and malicious, and that's not the impression I get from, um, well, from the the concept that Jesus was preaching about, you know, the the loving, fatherly-type God, rather than the, like, angry, angry, vengeful, uh, kind of pointlessly spiteful God of the Old Testament. Yeah, like uh, I used to, I used to do these Bible studies with my nieces, and um, that was one of the things that they would say that um, I, I think. Oh yeah, I was like, do like is God a good God or is he a bad God? Or I don't know what I said. Is God good or evil or something like that? And one of my nieces said, "Oh, he's evil," and I was like, "What?" And uh, and she was like, "Oh, I'm sorry. I I meant the old one." Like what, what the. It's supposed to be the same. Like, how how do you yeah, how do you say one of them's evil? But they they seem they seem very different. Um, you know, um, like if you compare the Noah story to to Exodus, you know, with the death of the the firstborn, um, you know, the we can infer from the death of the firstborn that this god has the ability to target specific groups of people, you know, um, and doesn't have to be so grand sweeping as to eradicate, like, nearly all life on Earth just to get humans. Um, and, and I don't know, it makes them seem to me to be, like, malicious and capricious. Yeah. Um, because, like, you know, first of all, like, why would an omniscient being need you to smear lamb's blood on your doorpost so that he knows which babies to kill and which ones not to? And, and, like, how does that line up with the concept of a loving, benevolent God, because it doesn't seem to, to me. Um, and, and then that, that does kind of make it seem strange to, uh, you know, flood the entire earth to get rid of sinful humans, and then there's, you know, a chapter where Noah gets drunk and uh, a chapter of begats, but then humans are, are totally corrupted again, as far as the plot line's concerned. So yeah. it, it makes flooding the world pointless on top of being just kind of malicious yeah no ex- well I, I can agree with the 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 flip part but um as far as like the the blood on the door obviously you and i can understand it but you know people back in the day they would use animal sacrifices for everything that was supposed to be the oh, yeah. uh, almighty you know um uh, how, how do you say it way to honor your god so like right. so obviously like people back then if they're, if they're um, honoring their God, which is the same, technically, and I'm saying this as a Christian, the same God that that I worship right now, then they would do it by killing a lamb, right? Well, yeah, probably. And I mean, if it is indeed foreshadowing the whole concept of like the innocent lamb's blood being shed in Christ, I mean that that's interesting. If the two, um you know, storylines can successfully be merged. I just, I don't feel that the New Testament and Old Testament fit together very well. Yeah. Well, either way, I was just talking about the, the blood on the door, but, but with the yeah. flood and uh, the, the flood and, you know, wiping out of, of uh, and civilizations, I totally agree. And that's one thing that people, they, not people, but that's one thing that, yeah, that's one thing that you can't separate, that I believe you can't separate from the Bible and I'll say it with conviction that the Bible is 
highly, highly tribal. It's highly, highly yeah. it, it talks about, it makes no, it makes no, um, uh, how do you say it's like, um, there's no separation from, he chooses a people. These are, and it starts from Abraham. He chooses a people that he's gonna, he's gonna use to exalt the world. And it starts with Abraham, turns into the Israelites and everybody that's against him, that that's against the Israelites, he you know he wipes he'll wipe them out he'll kill them all this stuff and before that he with the 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 flood of the flood of Noah, mm-hmm. uh, the, the the same thing he he uh, felt that every, you know the whole, the whole world was turning evil so he chose one person and through, either way so it's highly tribal there's no separating that and so what I would introduce is that it is highly tribal and where it does kind of. Um, where it does kind of where I where I see that it links with the New Testament is that mm-hmm. who's he protecting? He's protecting the Israelites. Who's he uh, fighting off the people around the Israelites? So what Paul talks about in the the New Testament is that so there's a chosen people, the Israelites. They uh-huh. um, they carry out God's will, but they do it in the ho- most horrible way possible by screwing up over and over again. They're told to do something, they do it wrong. They do good and then they do wrong again and then they just screw up and then they're pretty much and then God tells them all these things, gives them all these rules and they never follow them. They never follow through. They're, they're a bunch of screw ups. So he chooses these people and they're not even good. So but through these people, through the descendants of the Israelites comes out the perfect person, Jesus Christ in the flesh. So this person, he dies for our sins. And what Paul talks about is that the promise was given to the Israelites to flourish, to be blessed. And through it, a savior will come. So through the savior, now everybody could be Israelites. Now, um, um, the Gentiles can be Israelites. Everybody, the, the gift is open to anybody. So at this point now it becomes a, I guess, I guess that's what separates. That's that. Yeah. That's what separates the old Testament from the new Testament is that he was protecting a people in the Old Testament. And the reason why I became liberal in the new one is because the debt has been paid. And so now anybody who who uh, who goes after Christ, anybody who chooses Christ, the, the person in the flesh, they're part of those people who are being protected. They're part of those people who, who God loved uh, or who they're they're part of they're part of the gang pretty much. I guess that's mm-hmm. the way I'm saying it. Yeah, but I guess that's where I'm. I that's where I'm. I guess I'm. I'm trying to build the bridge between two of them. To where, I, it it is tribal, but you can always join the tribe. You know, like the story's been told. It, yeah. Uh, now the the invitation is open. Now you you you're not on the outside anymore. You know, it's open to everybody. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I mean. Um... <clears throat> Appealing to the widest audience possible is certainly, um, well, it's more conducive to what the early Christian church was trying to do, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so I think that that makes sense. Yeah, and what was, um, we are talking about Job, and I totally agree with you, too, and it's like one of the most... Yeah, Job. Yeah, that's like, that's like one of the harshest stories in the Bible to where it just based it's like in, in the harshest way to say it, like it was based on a bet 
And because of the bad, God killed everybody that Job loved and cared about and, you know, had in his life. <laughs> yeah, that also seems needlessly cruel. Yeah. Especially yeah. for an omniscient being. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, buddy. <laughs> so I guess we'll leave it there. Uh, we'll catch you next time on Heaven. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, I. Um. How do I say this? Like, cause I I love the story of Job. If anything, I'm um um. That that's something I've been reading a lot about recently. I've been getting into it. And one of the the weird things that I've heard that I'd never heard before, but was the introduction of how they talk about Satan, Lucifer, walking to and fro on the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, I was reading, I was reading up on it, and Job's one of the earliest books in the Bible, at least one of the earliest uh, dated ones. Oh yeah. And so, like, uh, what I had heard was like an introduction of the character Satan, Lucifer, not actually acting as a an evil character, but really the way they worded it was like a a the the questioner the. Prosecuting attorney, essentially, kind of, and not even, not even that, but just somebody bringing up a good point. Hey, and 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 it really comes from the word Satan in the Book of Job, the original Hebrew word that the yeah, um, it's a liberal word. It's not, you know, it's sometimes it's translated as Satan, but but other times in the Bible it's translated as uh, the questioner. But uh, there's a better word for yeah, it. It's or not adversary or stumbling yeah. block. Yeah. And and so it's just been translated as Satan in Job. So I've heard somebody introduce it as it not being Satan, but just somebody questioning it. And so why? Uh, what can give us a clue to that? The fact that in the beginning they were they were having like a uh, meeting of the council of gods, you know. So yeah. what's Satan doing there? You know, if it's Satan, I don't know. Either way, it's just a funny thing I heard about recently. But um, so he's introducing a question and it's actually a good question. Hey, maybe he's, maybe Job is just like, uh, you know, following you and worshiping you just for the sake of, he has it made. Maybe if he didn't have it made, maybe he would question you. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, that's fair. That's not, that's not a, like a, it's not a bad thing to ask, but I, I, I guess, I guess where I'm coming from with with the Book of Job is that it does it is harsh, but I guess as Christians we believe in an afterlife. You know what I mean? We don't believe that death is the end all. We believe in like right. eternal life, and so what you do here on Earth isn't really for you. Like we're not personally. I'm not. I'm not here to be happy. I'm not here to. Um, and it sounds bad, right? But I'm not here to be happy. I'm not here to thrive. But I'm here. Just to spread God's word, I'm spread God's word, and I'm I'm here to exalt God, you know, in order to bring people to Him, to you know what we call His glory, and when we die, that's when we could actually experience heaven. That's when we could actually experience you know happiness and eternal life and all this stuff. So, you know, God using death as an instrument of um, I guess uh, exalting himself. You know, I can see from an atheist perspective, yeah, it's evil. But from a Christian perspective, um, 
you, it's it's part of the it's part of the message. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it sounds well to other Christians. It sounds bad that I, I I don't think the story of Job is a historical story, just because if it was, yeah. How did the person writing it know what was going on in in heaven? You know, or like you know in the heaven. So it just it, yeah. it doesn't yeah like there's certain clues like that to our Western Western culture people from a Western culture like they'll try to input it is this fiction or is it nonfiction we got to put it into one and they're always afraid to you know but you know I, I well, think it seems like it's me. I'm sorry it seems like fiction to me I mean it's a it's a morality tale they're trying to tackle yeah. the question of you know why bad things happen to good people kind of thing and contextualize it's a morality it. tale that's exactly what it is it's trying to tell it's trying to tell a bigger truth like and I'm trying to talk to Christians here like man get it through your head like there's a bigger truth that needs to be told you know like don't fixate on like was Job a living, breathing person? And if he wasn't a living, breathing person, then the whole thing's a lie. Like, no, there's a bigger story that needs to be told. There's a bigger truth that needs to be told. Like, try not to get so fixated on it being, you know, a uh, an actual historical thing, you know? Mm-hmm. But I guess that's where I come to men's because if I were to die today getting hit by a car and somehow, some way, somewhere, it exalts God's glory, as a Christian then I'm fine with that. That's what I'm here for anyways. You know what I mean? Like I'm not hmm. here to, uh, to eat chocolate cake or to, uh, you know, eat chocolate cake or do other stuff that makes me happy. You know, I'm, I'm here only to exalt God. And if it, it takes me getting hit by a car, then so be it, you know, like, so what, you know, and, and I'm, then in that case, I'm going to the other side and I'm living my eternal life that I was going to live anyways. Is that hmm. fair? Well, it's an interesting perspective. Um, I don't think that there's life after death. I kind of think that this is all we got. So I'm I'm totally going to eat the chocolate cake <laughs> and and do the the things that make me happy, like like yeah. draw and play with my kids. Oh man! Hey, how many how many kids you got? I got three in total. Oh dang! Oh, that's a lot of kids. Oh, crazy. They do they like to draw too? <laughs> um. Yes, they do. Or two of them do at least. The other one's only two, so he doesn't uh, do fine motor type stuff quite yet. Yeah, yeah not yet. He'll he'll get there. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure he will. Yeah, no, that's um, that's awesome. But but we're we're kind of running out of time a little bit. So just right. tell me a little bit more about Falling Stars. Tell me more about your comics. Tell me whatever you got, um, so that people listening can know more about your story. Know more about what you're trying to get across. About your passion. All right. Well, um, my passion is actually for for illustration and science fiction in particular, um, because I like to kind of examine the human condition and sort of impart my own moral philosophy in the subtext of my writing. Um, so I figured that using using one of the most well known stories on Earth as the vehicle for my first sort of big ambitious endeavor to get people's attention with was probably the right way to go about it and um just sort of examine whether or not there actually are any differences between a hero or a villain and um kind of call into question which is which and and really if there is any difference you know 
because uh, like when I think about it, it it really it boils down to motivation. You have sympathetic quote villains um, that you know you kind of understand where they're coming from, and those are the most interesting to like watch or read about. Um, I mean, you you can have a lot of fun with like a traditional mustachioed villain that is like tying damsels to train tracks and stuff. I mean, you can go over the top and have some fun with that, but it's not as intellectually satisfying. Yeah. Um, so I I wanted to do something that was both intellectually satisfying, had some cool philosophical subtext, but also had, you know, superpowered beings that could like fight with flaming swords and cause wanton destruction so that there's there's enough of the action element too. You know, so we have these, like, periods of large-scope cinematic beauty in, like, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, for example, where we can be, like, really really stunning. Um, And then have these quiet moments where Samael is, like, sitting out in the depths of space somewhere, just, like, sitting and thinking about the implications of, you know, what the God character's doing and what his role is in everything and just like really question a lot of stuff and, and, you know, it, it kind of ties back into human nature a little bit, you know, he's, he's very much an avatar for human nature in a lot of ways, um, you know, including hubris yeah. and, uh, but not limited to, and, um, and yeah, I, I wanted to kind of humanize the character and examine motivations and just kind of tie it all together in in a way that hadn't been done before and and cause people to think and kind of re-examine their own interpretation and um you know start conversations and examining some of these things yeah. in in a totally different way yeah i'm glad you mentioned a good villain because i think uh i forgot who who mentioned this but like the story of Star Wars, that the story, the only reason why Star Wars has a good, um, how do I say, it? has a good, like complex, like hero villain complex, is because of, um, or just story in general, is because of Darth Vader. Because if there was no Darth yeah. Vader, nobody would care about Luke Skywalker. That he would be like the lamest character ever. It's really Darth yeah. Vader that makes the movie. Yeah, it really is. He's what's interesting about it. You know, he has this wonderful presence when he's on screen. You know, he's he is menacing. He he spends an entire movie um, strangling people to death with the Force, and then like one of his introductory lines in Return of the Jedi is, you know, he's he's talking about having to speed up the construction on the Death Star, and and the dude's like, hey, we need more men, and he's like, well, you can tell the Emperor that when he gets here. You know, he's most displeased with your apparent lack of progress and and straight up tells the guy, you know, the emperor is not as forgiving as I am. And it's like, dude, you just spent the last movie strangling people with the force. This guy's worse. You know, so just the implication of how threatening the emperor is works because we understand what Darth Vader's capable of. And yeah, it, it makes him an incredibly entertaining villain to watch. And and still, we get to humanize him, too, and see that kind of deconstruct before our eyes as he's, you know, brought back, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you a huge Star Wars fan? What? Yeah, are you a huge uh, Star Wars fan? Uh, 
I'm big enough. Yeah. <laughs> I grew up on it. Yeah. I I try to stay out of the all the toxic fandom type conversations because there's plenty of them. Yeah. But like I'm I'm starting to think you know maybe I should be like making YouTube videos or something and kind of voicing my opinion on some of these type things because a lot of people just get like really really out of hand and I I feel compelled to try to be the voice of reason and. Mm. Or to try to try to bridge the gap and be like, all right, well, here's a way that I can explain your opposition's viewpoint in a way that might be digestible to you, and yeah. see if I can make you know opposing parties meet in the middle, so to speak, so they can have interesting conversations like the one we're having right now. Yeah, no, no, definitely. It, yeah, man, it's 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 so refreshing. It, all my previous shows, I um, I write down all these notes and I try to. Um, I try to make all these plans like, okay, I'm going to go through this. I'm going to go through this next. And I try to map it all out. But I'm, I knew we would have the easiest time having a conversation. I feel like uh, people, and I say it from the other side, but I don't really mean it from the other side because I feel like I was on that side for so long that yeah. um, those are the ones, those are the conversations that, that I can just go on about forever that I love talking about. I love, I love, you know, I love, having those questions and those doubts and just really, um, how do you say it? Not only critiquing the word, but questioning it and, and hearing other people's uh, like ideologies of what God is, who God is, or even if they care about God, why they don't care about God. Yeah. It's much more productive when someone is like willing to engage honestly on an intellectual level. Yeah, because let, let's be honest, like even for agnosticism, atheism, it's still a tender subject. Like the idea of a of a God, we're talking about an eternity, you know, because when you think of God, you think of death, right? You think of like, well, you're asking me about a God. Well, you're, as, you're practically asking me if I think we're going to live after we die, you know, and that's that's a very... Yeah, the concepts are very much married together. Yeah, so it's a... Uh, it's, uh, I don't want to, it's a very personal subject. It's something, you know, it's kind of, Oh yeah. it's a, it's, it's a, a tough subject. So, you know, but those are the ones I love to have the most. Those are the conversations I love to have the most, especially if they have, you know, such a huge difference in, uh, um, understanding their, um, interpretations or just their everything. Like if everything's different, I love it. I really appreciate it, man. You have no idea. Well, I'm happy to oblige. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that'll wrap it up. I really okay. do appreciate it, man. Uh, you've been a huge help. I know it was last minute and we kind of delayed it for so long because of all the tech stuff, but you, okay. you, uh, you bared it out with us. You did a great job and I really appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, you're welcome. All right. Cool. Cool. Well, I guess that'll be it. Um, we should do this again. Um, I'll yeah. let you know beforehand and we'll be more prepared and we'll get, you know, some stuff. Maybe we could Skype you in next time. Yeah. Sounds like a plan. Awesome, dude. Well, thank you so much once again and enjoy the rest of your day. Have have a great yeah, rest you, of your day off. I intend to. <laughs> All right. Goodbye. Bye-bye.